0: Welcome to the Together for Good podcast, a podcast specifically designed to inspire, challenge, and uplift you during your daily walk of faith. This episode is a recording of a sermon that was preached on June 27th by Pastor Gary. I've been really bad about getting these sermon audios uh, uploaded onto the podcast, and I know many of you really appreciate it. So yes, June 27th was a little while back, um, but uh, this is a good sermon from Pastor Gary. What's also interesting, I was supposed to preached this sermon on the 27th, but as you might have remembered, my flight got canceled. I got stuck in Michigan. I couldn't do it. Um, So this is Pastor Gary um, (laughs) with only a night of preparation. (laughs) I'm sure he had much more uh, because he's constantly thinking about the passages. Um, But this is a sermon from the 27th. If you wanted to hear um, the sermon I had prepared, I did release that on the podcast on July 1st. It's just a few episodes back now. Um, But this is the one that was actually delivered here at Bethany. It's based on Mark 4 verses 23 through 41. Here it is, a sermon from Pastor Gary preached on June the 27th.
1: So these two healing stories that we have this morning are a story within a story. Mark takes time to um, start telling this story of, of Jairus, the leader of the synagogue. And it might appear that we're not completely sure what's happening here as Mark records this. There are some who might say, well, Mark wanted to weave these two stories together. Actually, quite likely is the fact that this is just plain what happened. This is just the course of events that turned out. But really for us, they, they give us so much insight into not just Jesus, but the people who were around Jesus and what was happening in that day and what they were thinking and how everything seemed to, to be a part of their lives and what they expected of Jesus. So we first have the story of Jairus, the leader of the synagogue, a man who would be quite accustomed to being able to walk through a crowd and talk to whomever he wanted. And so it would appear that's what he does. We're not immediately told about how big a crowd it is, but later on we're told through some of the narrative that the crowd pressed in on him, which means that these people would have been fairly close to Jesus, but somehow Jairus, as this leader manages to get in, but then probably does something quite uncharacteristic. He falls at his feet and begs Jesus. Now I don't get the idea that that was Jairus' normal mode of operation, to fall at somebody's feet and beg them for something. In fact, he would probably much more likely be the kind of individual who people would fall at his feet and beg him for something. So he really has to break character and in front of the crowd to be willing to, to put himself in that vulnerable position, both physically and emotionally in front of all of these people, says something about what's likely the desperation of his spirit at that moment. But for his daughter, this would be worth it. And so he falls at Jesus' feet and begs him that he might come and do something very specific that I want you to lay your hands on her. So, so he understands that Jesus has a certain kind of power, but he wants that power to be a- as close as possible if you would but come and lay your hands on her. So Jesus, of course, in that compassion would do so. Now it makes me wonder for a moment if somebody would hear that passage from Lamentations again, that Michelle read for us, if you'd pick up on this little portion in here, I, I should give you a little insight into the book of Lamentations, if that's a relatively new book from you. We don't hear about Lamentations very often. We don't read it a lot in the midst of worship. It's one of those kind of hidden books uh, Probably an extension of the ministry of Jeremiah or some of the some of the poetry that Jeremiah put together most of the book of Lamentations is a book of Laments that's how they got the name lamentations. It's a book of laments or sorrows that are poured out but every once in a while Jeremiah breaks character in the midst of Book of Lamentations and brings us, us these little glimpses of hope. And, and, of course, as we would look at that whole book, probably some people said, do we want to fill the people in the pews with sorrow? Or should we pull out the one passage from Lamentations that actually sounds hopeful? So that's what you get this morning. But as part of that, we hear this um, This. This part uh, uh, that, that comes through in verse, verse 29 where it talks about what we do to sit alone in silence when the Lord has imposed it. But then verse 29, to put one's mouth to the dust, there may yet be hope. And you wonder if that's, if that's exactly what Jairus felt like, to throw himself on the ground, to put his mouth to the dust because there may yet be hope. That's what we see happening in this story. But then, as they're going on the way, it's like a story interrupts this story because the crowd is moving with Jesus. He might be at the point of trying to separate himself from the crowd, but that hasn't happened yet. And all of a sudden, he turns and says, who touched my clothes? It's interesting that the disciples, when they come out of it, ask him, how could you say, who touched me? But Jesus realized, no one touched me. Or actually, what he might have realized is, lots of people have touched me. You can imagine what that's like. People reaching out, kind of like at the golf tournament as the, you know, the player is heading from hole to hole. Everybody's reaching out, trying to just get uh, you know, a high five or a low five or whatever they can get as, as people are reaching out there. But not this woman. She's not interested in touching Jesus. In fact, she would rather not be noticed at all. In fact, she would certainly not want to be noticed because if anybody would know of her ailment, they would know she should not be there. She should not be in the midst of a crowd because she would have been considered ritually unclean. She should not be there because anybody who touched her could now be considered ritually unclean. And so she has no, no preconceptions that she would reach out and touch Jesus. No concept that Jesus would reach out and touch her. She merely wants to touch his garment, the, the fringe of his cloak. Or in that day, a rabbi might have actually worn, kind of like what we would wear today, a stole. And it might even have, like this one does, little bits of um, uh, of. of Tal- what are those things called? Somebody sh- tassels, thank you, thank you, yeah, that would, that would hang from it. I was gonna say talons, but that's I, that's, I think I watched Jurassic Park yesterday. Uh, but, um, but tassels that would be coming off of that, and she would know that there's power in that symbol. And so she manages to reach out and just touch, touch a bit of his garment, and boy, you know what she would want to do more than anything else. Just turn and go because she knew she was healed, but the crowd was too intense and so she couldn't get away So Jesus turns around and asks, who touched his clothes and then she knows she knows it's her And so when she has been found out It's interesting Because I think her first instinct is I need to be forgiven I need to be forgiven for being in this place. I need to be forgiven for being around other people. I need to be forgiven for being so bold as to reaching out and touching the clothes of a rabbi. And so she does what? Falls at Jesus' feet as well, but from a very different place than Jairus had done. She falling at his feet, begging for mercy to be forgiven for her, actions. And then Jesus says, does he describe her as, daughter, your faith has made you well. Nothing about Jesus' touch, it would appear, has healed her. Nothing about Jesus, commanding the very forces of heaven to come down for this poor woman. But her faith has made her well. Now you wonder, Jairus might have been thinking at that moment, oh, well maybe I don't need Jesus to come to my house. Maybe I just need to go back and to tell everybody, look, All it takes is faith. That's all that we really need here to be made well. But that's not what Jairus is thinking. In fact, when that whole scene ends, he kind of gets himself back inserted into the story and says, my turn. Come with me. Lay your hands on my daughter. And I think sometimes the challenge in some of these stories is we'll hear something like, daughter, your faith has made you well. And we'll think that maybe my own healing is a part of my own unfaith. Or, or maybe my faith isn't at least a, enough for Jesus in that moment. So I want to be cautious that we don't set ourselves up that way. I don't think that's what's happening in this story. I don't think Jesus reaching out to a woman and speaking to her about her faith is in any way meant to imply that sometimes our faith is not enough when ailments don't leave our body. In fact, what Jesus might have been talking to her about was something that's really outside of the physical healing and more about what happens in her own spirit. And I have seen people who have been ill for years and years and yet have a complete and healthy spirit in the midst of illness. Now for this woman, for the purposes of what was going on in Jesus around that time, she was healed. But maybe more importantly, She just became more aware of God in her life in any case. Which doesn't appear to be then what happens when Jesus gets to the home of Jairus. When he talks to the people there about what can happen, the girl is just sleeping. They laugh at him. So he has to put them all outside because their spirit is not ready for what's about to happen here. And he goes into the room and he raises the little girl to life But I wonder what was happening with those people. Because Jesus looked around at the woman in the crowd and very plainly talked to her in front of everybody. So everybody knew what was going on. But at the house of Jairus, he strictly ordered them not to say anything. Now for us, we would say, why not? I got to tell you. I ever walked in somebody's hospital room and they said, Pastor, could you just lay hands on me? And I did, and I put hands on them, and they looked back at me and said, I don't know how to tell you this, Pastor Gary, but I know I'm cured, and they bring the doctors in, and all the doctors say, I don't know what happened here, but he's cured. I don't think the first thing I would be thinking is, let's not tell anybody about this. But I think what's happening in the crowd is Jesus knows they're not ready to carry this message in their spirit. They're ready to, to make this more than it was. And I think what Jesus wants is sometimes for us just to, to understand that faith causes different reactions in different people. Sometimes in my faith, I need something so tangible in order to feel like it's real. And other times, all I need is to just catch a glimpse of a tassel off of Jesus' robe. And so, as my faith life goes forward, I realize that sometimes I have thrown myself at the feet of Jesus because I really, really needed to feel Jesus' touch. And other times, I'm okay with just a a glancing brush of the garment of Jesus. It's enough for me in that moment. But what I know more than anything is that what Jesus wants from me is just to know of his presence. Just to know that if I am willing to put myself before God with full vulnerability, or at times just a little vulnerable, that God is ready to do something for me. I probably won't tell you about all of those times. Quite frankly, I might not even notice some of those times. What I do hope is that Jesus will somehow within me create an opportunity for me to say that that Jesus is concerned about my faith. That Jesus really wants me to be a person of great faith. And if I can somehow live out that part of my life, then I'll let God handle the rest. If I can somehow be a person of faith, then I can let God Handle the rest. Amen.